0: Welcome to CISO's Insider's Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media.
1: And welcome everybody. Today I'm speaking with Noam Broch. Noam is the Chief Information Security Officer of a company called uh, Seeking Alpha. He's actually the Director of IT and Security. Uh, and looking back at your bio, Noam, I see that you've graduated from a variety of uh, IT-related positions, starting all the way you know back to 2006, starting as a system administrator, um, occupying all kinds of IT positions, such as the IT system manager, system administrator in a variety of companies. Uh, I think we got acquainted back in 2015 when we started working together. Uh, um, you know, you at the time you were working at a company uh, in in the travel industry, uh, heavily focused on uh, that the project was heavily focused on around compliance PCI, if I remember correctly. And I see that from from that point on, you graduated. You transitioned into the the cybersecurity and compliance space. But if you could uh, step in and introduce yourself for our listeners, that would be great.
0: Sure, sure. Um... First of all glad to be here um yeah I, I did start as a system and network administrator back in uh, 2006 um but uh, security was always part of my role whether it was firewalls or anything you know part of the job it's something that was always always there uh, we always dealt with it um i i come mainly from corporations, uh, big corporations. I had my fair share of uh, being in startups, but I mostly come from big organizations. And we did indeed meet in 2015. Uh, I worked for a company that was uh, pci certified and we worked closely with GRC uh, on a weekly basis, I must say, uh, to get the certification every year. Um, good times, good times. And I uh, transitioned from Actually, that specific company was purchased as uh, part of a merger into a bigger, bigger company. We became really big. And in that organization, I finally stepped in as a CISO to the
1: request of uh, management. Um, uh, That's, I think, uh, in a nutshell, that's uh, about it, yeah. Great, and you're based out of Israel, right?
0: Yep, yep, based out of Israel. Uh, Previous organization, again, travel industry, used to fly all the time every week um you get sick of it but uh when you get used to it you you miss it too you know it's kind of
1: flying too much is
0: that oh i miss flying so it's uh, yeah 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 Mm -hmm.
1: great and now that we've got uh, that out of the way maybe i can ask you a couple of icebreaker questions here that i tend to ask if you could share about your marital status and your favorite drink that would be great
0: oh sure um i'm i'm married plus two, two boys, three and six, fighting all the time. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, yeah, all the time, it's amazing. Um, And my favorite drink is coffee. Uh, But if we're talking about alcohol, it would be beer. But I would say it's mostly coffee. I grew up in a family that owned many coffee shops and restaurants, so I was exposed to coffee very early and that's
1: kind of stuck, you know. But yeah, coffee, definitely. Got it. Okay, interesting. Uh, you know, let's dive right in. Um, and I think you've, I think we've spoken about it. But the, the focus of the podcast is not about specifically about the, your company or even about the industry or trends. It's more mostly around you and your journey and what you had to endure in order to become a CISO, basically. So my goal is here is basically to put you on the spotlight, give you the, the stage, so to speak, to, you know, introduce yourself and allow, like, provide as many uh, experience sharing as, as possible. Uh, so let's dive right in. If there's one thing you wish you'd known before you begin your career, what would that be?
0: Yeah. Um... I would definitely want someone to tell me how big and vast the market is. I mean, when I started, it was I was very narrow-minded where I wanted to go. I knew exactly what I wanted, but I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of newbies in the industry feel the urge to focus on a very specific path instead of looking at the big picture because the market is so big. It's it's enough You just put your put in the door somewhere and you get in. Uh, eventually, you're gonna get where you want to. So, uh, no despair. Uh, experience. I know sometimes it's a must, but if you just put yourself, you know, if you start as a knock as a, as a or as a sucker, as a help, with a QA, you can always grow from there and get where you want.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've been having a lot of conversation about it and I've been reading a lot of threads. Uh, you know, people that want to join the industry usually struggle with what they want to do first. Like how, how can they, you know, insert themselves into the cybersecurity and com- compliance space? what what to do first what first position to take on and you know a, a lot of people would say will tell something like yeah you need to know how to code or others would say go be a sock analyst in your opinion what what's the like the best way to uh, again I don't know if there's a best way but, yeah uh, what would your advice be here
0: um I support multi-talent kind of uh people um everywhere i had people working for me or to meet colleagues whatever they're always checkable trade so as, as far as, as what i'm thinking i think you should definitely start with something like systems or networking i think it's 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 going to help greatly wherever you go but i don't think like you said there's nothing you know there's not one path to take you can you can start as a help desk but or again, you know, sock, knock, whatever, uh, coding, I think that you're gonna find your way eventually. But I, I do highly advise to start somewhere which is a bit different than cybersecurity. So you get more experience and you can definitely use this to your advantage when you move on into the cybersecurity. So um, again, personally, I would say, again, systems and networking, because it goes hand in hand. It's something that uh, definitely. Uh, DevOps, even, you know, the, those things are, they go hand in hand with cybersecurity when you're done. So that would be my, uh, that would mm-hmm. be my
1: suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Um, if you could, you know, peg or name like one big failure that you had, what was that and what did you learn from it?
0: I have, I Yeah, I have one that really affected me in my career is, and that's the fact that I was uh, running after the money. Um, I was working for, I had a really good job in a really good organization, 3,000, 4,000 people, American company, kind of a golden cage in a way, a really, really good organization. And uh, after a few years, I think four years or so, I was approached by Headhunters and they offered me a lot more money than I was making. And then, hence the golden cage. I found out that I'm actually worth so much more outside. And I tried to convince the organization to uh, get a big raise for almost a year, but that uh, never happened. So I actually went after the money and I moved to a startup company, which was 17 people when I started and 21 people when I left after a year. And that was the biggest mistake uh, of uh, my career. I I considered it my biggest failure because um, again, moving from a big corporation to a startup, you need to adapt, but that's okay. But it, it was, it was just about the money. It wasn't about doing what you like, doing what you love, uh, um, not getting, uh, the advancement that you need. I really felt that it was actually going backwards. Uh, and I only spent one year over there and that's definitely, uh, something that I think people should consider, you know, it's not always about the money.
1: Yeah. And so let's let's dig into this uh, this just a bit more if possible. Wh- in in what uh, aspects was that the biggest mistake? Just because of uh, you know just uh, you didn't have as many challenges, or uh, it wasn't as start provoking. What was the reason? No, the, the, there's always challenges, but the environment was very.
0: Um, closed environment, very little technology, um, not a lot of opportunities, um, not a lot of growth. It was not a lot of, you know, you couldn't go anywhere. You're, you're very confined to a very specific space. And uh, it felt like, you know, you're not doing anything substantial. It's, 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 they brought me in to do some stuff and I did it. and. That's it, You know, it's kind of running on maintenance mode now. And um, I, I really felt like, you know, every time you want to put new technology into get new stuff, there was no, nobody listened to you. It was very, again, confined. Um, I think that a lot of people feel like that in big companies, You know, like knock or suck people. When you ask them after a few years, how are you doing? They're like, ah, they don't let me do anything. So uh, this is kind of how I felt for a year. You know, I uh, I brought all the knowledge that I had and the, I did a lot of stuff, but uh, eventually it wasn't enough. So
1: got it. Yeah. Okay. And you know, speaking about the failure side of things, what would you say your biggest accomplishment was?
0: Um that's kind of that's kind of hard to answer, you know, accomplishments uh aside from having kids,
1: uh, so professionally speaking, um you know well, those, those... if i could stop you there like i think having yeah. kids that's the easy part <laughs> you know it doesn't take a lot <laughs> yes. it's just biology i mean i think yes, yes. raising them maintaining them and having a oh, yeah. relationship oh, i yeah. think that's the hard part but uh, please go oh, on yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah um so i would say that you know you have those whether you're in networking or i don't know let's say you're in a data center you have a huge project you're Exchanging some equipment, sensitive equipment in a production environment, that is making billions. And when you're done, you have the, you can take this, you know, step back and take a deeper and say, uh, "Oh wow, well, we're done. You know, we did it." Um, or in the cybersecurity world, if you are preventing a phishing campaign from happening, or you do takedowns, or you see that the playbook and the incident management work, those moments that you can step back and say, "Okay, wow, well, we did it." and you can smile and say okay now i can rest for a few minutes i think those are if i can you know say those are the accomplishments that uh, all of us have you know not just myself but i i definitely see it as a, yeah mm-hmm. as, as an accomplishment yeah those tiny moments and i yeah. do still have them i do still have them <laughs> uh, it's still yeah definitely you know
1: yeah i think i know what you're talking about you're talking about if i read you correctly i think you're talking about that feeling that you have at the end of the day in some days that you felt that you've really done something today, and that you've made good progress. Uh, yeah, but
0: yeah, yeah, definitely solving something that nobody was able to do until now, or do something great for the company. That it's a great accomplishment. That you can move forward on it based on it. You know, stuff like that that makes you feel really good about what you do and gives you, you know, definitely positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm
1: okay and you know what what would your advice be to someone who's who's pursuing a career in cybersecurity nowadays
0: um so like i stated before i think that you should uh, definitely um try to get as much experience as you can in different fields um again it can be many types of positions that you can fill um it would it would very beneficial, very helpful when you move uh, forward to be able to, to use that experience that you have, whether it's uh, hands on, again, as a DevOps engineer or a networking guy. Um, that's definitely going to help in the cybersecurity role because the way I see it, again, cybersecurity is comprised of so many roles which are very, very similar to the IT information roles. It, it again both hand in hand, basically. So, um, again, you know, just Start somewhere. Try to get um, experience as, as much as experience as you can in different, uh, multiple fields, and you know, push forward to where you want to go. Yeah, again, I think that uh, I've I've known a lot of newbies that you know exactly like you said before. They don't know what to do. They don't know how. And I, you know, just just get in there. You know, it doesn't have to be exactly what you want. to Do something a bit different, but eventually, if you follow you know, your dream and whatever you want to do, eventually you, you will get it. It is, uh,
1: you know, you will get it, yeah. Yeah, I just want to spend two more minutes on this topic because I've had these conversations with a lot of, uh, you know, people uh, in, in mm-hmm. the past since I founded the company and even before that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people that we hired at some point, you know, they transitioned, they moved to other roles. And my advice to them was always uh, very similar to yours. It was basically along the lines of look experience as much as you can try to learn as many domains and realms as you can because once you get into the the seat of a CISO you need to have as broad of a foundation as possible because otherwise mm-hmm. one, let's say you do land a CISO but you're missing like a core you know element of of education let's say just you know SDLC or even mm-hmm. IT or DevOps you'd be you'd find it hard to have like uh, meaningful and engaging conversations with your peers and then you you might not be as professional as you could be and i think i think one of the reasons not reasons one of the problems that some people have these days is that you know they tend to focus on like a specific silo and then they miss like the broader spectrum of things and that would actually uh, prevent you from becoming a successful CISO. That just, you know, my opinion. I Uh,
0: completely agree, I completely agree. I I, I don't know if we should bring this up, but maybe it's kind of, you know, you say people today, but I I would go ahead and and actually say young people today, (laughs) the young generation today. They kind of focus on very specific things and they expect to get, you know, as quickly as they can with the highest salaries or where they want to go, but I think they forget, like you said, the broad spectrum of things that they need to bring into the role, which is touching every every spot, like you said, in you know, SDLC in production, or they need to do to to be able to do the SOC things, they need to be able to touch the firewalls, they need to build, so yeah, definitely a broad spectrum of things. I yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Maturity comes with the time and experience, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, and you've been in a CISO slash IT roles for probably more than a, like a, almost, two, almost two decades now, like a decade and a half. What would you say, like, uh, how do you feel about the role of a CISO that's actually a part of the IT organization? Organization, sorry.
0: I think, I think it's an integral part of IT. I think CISOs should have experience in IT. Um, and, and again, it, it, it goes together um you know in in many companies a lot of big companies or enterprises they they like to separate the ciso role and let the ciso sit in hq somewhere and write uh device and policies processes procedures that kind of stuff i think that cisos should uh, spend some time uh, with the grunts in the field uh, and not just uh, devise on policy and procedures. Uh, I think the CISO should also be experienced uh, with uh, you know, hands-on stuff and, and technical a bit to understand again, how it works. Um, it, again, it has to be part of IT, um, but I do have, um, I think that CISOs should be independent in a way. They should have their own independence because in, in many companies, those CISOs, they either answer to the CIOs or the CFOs or the CTOs. And you get a lot of conflicts when you do that. I myself currently, I'm, I'm actually uh, reporting to a CTO, but I have a full autonomy on what I'm doing. Um, but I, I think if it's possible for companies, I think that CISOs should be independent. And uh, But still, they should be part of IT. You know, There's a direct connection with IT. Um, all the policies, all the procedures I was talking about that the CISOs are creating, IT is the ones that's going to follow them, uh, mostly. Um, you know, Funding or uh, it's the symbiotic relations kind of, you know, funding is being shared usually from the CISOs and IT, it goes together, even R&D. So it should definitely be um, an integral part and connection of IT.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but how do you think uh, organizations go about in solving that potential conflict of interest of, you know, be, you being under IT, but also maintaining independence.
0: So, um, independence is something we need to struggle and strive for. I, you know, it's 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 something that should be. Again, I don't see it in many companies because I think it's companies only slowly now understanding that CISO should be independent. Something because CISOs are always reporting to uh, CIOs and CTOs and CFOs. It's always you know I haven't. I don't think I've met lately like, the anyone that was actually reporting to the CEO. You know, it always goes to someone else. But I think, I definitely think that those CISOs should be reporting to the CEO directly and should have their own independence and uh, to do those things. I think that's going to solve a lot of the conflict that we see when CIOs and CFOs and CIOs are pushing the CISO to do something that they want uh, for mm-hmm. their benefits. Um, so that's why I think that those issues should be completely independent reporting to the CEO. Yeah.
1: Got it. Okay. Uh, Anything uh, along, so, you know, uh, in being in the security space, in the information security or cyberspace, you need to, uh, the, the environment is constantly changing. You need to keep learning and honing your skills. Do you have any suggestions about like the best resources that have helped you along the way?
0: Yeah, definitely. When I was young, I used to create those virtual environments or physical environments that were mimicking um, the real environments. Uh, those were my virtual labs. This is where I tested things. I integrated the technologies, and I saw how everything is working. Uh, then when I was uh, moving uh, to other companies and I was exposed to more production environments, I saw that those are actually called staging and next environments. And those are the playgrounds where you test everything. And uh, I think uh, practical information when you play around in staging and experimentation is far better than the theoretical stuff you you, you read about or even case studies. Um, why you know? And uh, as as things moved on, I actually in the travel industry when I started working in the specific company that uh, we worked together, um, this specific company was running dozens of POCs every week. It was just amazing to be a part of that um, chain of of POCs. It it was just incredible. We were always looking for the edge for the business to be the fastest, to be uh, the best in what we do. And trying to find the POCs, whether it's open source or commercial uh, software or systems or whatever, it was just amazing to be part of it because this is how you could learn where the market is going, what are the new technologies, um you know where the market is going. It, was, it was just incredible and this is something i took with me i think pocs are um are a great resource to see where the market is going see where technologies are evolving so yeah i think those are the best resources that you can get and i still do it uh, where i am i run i run pocs just for the you know just for the fun of it um not not just you know i'm going to buy this and that product but i run pocs uh, not anymore on a daily or weekly basis, but let's say every couple of weeks there's a POC. I talk to DevOps. I want to see, oh, did you hear about this is a product that's right? I talk to, you know, uh, so th- those, in my opinion, are really, really uh, good resources to try.
1: Great. Interesting. That's the first time I'm, I'm hearing this as a response to this question, by the way. So, but mm-hmm. I definitely understand uh, the value in uh, experiencing many POCs. Mm-hmm uh is there one common myth about uh, our profession uh, that you wanted to debunk
0: yeah i think that um many a times i had a cfo or a cto come to me and ask me why this and that system didn't uh is not enough or is not protecting us or is not doing its job correctly and i think this is kind of a myth that the technology is going to save us i think that the problem is in many in many cases or actually I think that the human factor is something that should be figured of. not not what technology we're going to acquire. I think the human factor is the problem, and this is why security awareness, um, educating the employees, the users. I think it's one of the best tools you can have. Um, you know, they need to be able to deal with all the the threats, and and again, security awareness is something that should be done in every company, uh, not even once a year. You know, twice or every quarter, if it was up to me. Um, so I think that's kind of a myth that technology is going to save us where the human factor is the one that's going to destroy, you know, that's,
1: uh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. And this might uh, tie up to my next questions about, uh, you know, uh, th- this goes along more along the line of uh, trends in the industry. And the question is basically around, uh, what are the main concerns that CISOs nowadays uh, have, is that the same answer then, or do you have anything else?
0: um i think it's the same answer i think that uh security there are a lot of companies out there who are not bound to regulation and therefore they don't do security awareness it could be even even small businesses like lawyers offices and stuff like that this is something should be done in every business um so that's something this should definitely um look for you know to do um and in addition uh, budget is always a main concern, you know, always a main concern. I think that that's something the that CISO should also be looking at, um, um, you know, ever since the pandemic, budgets have been increasing all the time. It's not, uh, it, it, it's insane. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. But Personally, I think this would come to a stop uh, if, if it hasn't already. Uh, with the uh, impending recession, or at least, you know, the thing is going to be a recession, but uh, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. got it. Um, so in your opinion, like aside from, you know, budget and security awareness, is there anything like that you identify in the industry as trends? You know, for example, a couple of years ago, it was privacy and it still is uh, an issue. Any any trends that you identify in the industry that uh, CISOs or professionals out there should be mindful of?
0: Yeah, so privacy is definitely an issue. You can see what's going on with Google right now in the EU. Um, where I'm working, we're affected uh, exactly with that uh, issue. A lot of uh, countries like France and, and others are actually banning Google services as a result of GDPR breach. So privacy is an issue, and uh, PII is an issue, and Uh, Yeah, you know, it's not going anywhere. This is, it just comes back and forth or even becoming even worse. Um, So yeah, GDPR and anything related to privacy. um, Yeah, definitely something you should be focused on as a CISO. Um, In addition, um, I've actually been exposed to some threat intelligence tools a couple of years ago. Um, Companies like Insights that was acquired by Red 7 um, there are others, of course, but I, I think I think threat intelligence is a really useful tool. Um, it kind of opens a portal to the unseen world of darkness and dark web. I think it's it's really a tool that can be used in every every company. I think every CISO should uh, know about this and and use it if possible. The things that you find it's just insane and it doesn't matter what industry you come from i come from the travel industry and it was insane what i saw there and now i'm in the kind of the investment uh, industry and it's insane there you know what the, the things are find there so i think fit intelligence is, is something that every sister should be aware of and, and focused on um what else uh production 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 anyone that's coming from production this is something, this is in, in many cases, it's the money maker for many companies production is something that CISO should have to look into. You mentioned the uh, SDLC and, and yeah, definitely production. It's uh, something that every CISO should uh, look into, understand the business in terms of production and, and you know, make sure production is safe because this is the place that makes your money in many cases.
1: Okay. <clears throat> And let's touch a bit about the role of the CISO. You know, it's obviously it's today it's not uh, the same as it was ten years ago, fifteen years ago. In your opinion, what are the most important skills that CISOs nowadays should have? So
0: CISOs CISOs
1: are leaders, I
0: think, in many cases because you're leading the company wherever it goes in the cybersecurity world. You're leading the company, so you have to be a leader whether you want it or not. Um, understanding the business, I think, is a skill that every CISO should have, because a lot of CISOs um, actually uh, they copy and paste profiles. You know they, they they, as far as they're concerned, they know about technology and what needs to be done. And the basis is definitely very similar to every company. Uh, when you want to, yeah, and uh, but still, you need to understand the business. Um, it's not enough just to apply or integrate technologies, you need to understand how the business works. Very important, in my opinion, wherever you go, um, to be more effective as a CISO. Uh, incident management, something that every CISO should uh be you know knowledgeable about. Um and another important topic uh for me is all the stuff that GIC does, for example, all the regulation and governance and, and, and compliance. I think that this is not just a niche for data protection officers and risk assessment departments. This is something that CISOs should be knowledgeable of, all the regulation and the compliance. CISOs should be definitely part of that. Um, being able to communicate communicative CISOs, you need to be able to talk to all the executives and the employees and the users, something that you need to do it again as a leader. Um, you need to be political because of all the conflicts that we stated before. I, yep. uh, you know, you, people don't like it. I didn't like it, but you have to do that. That's, uh, otherwise you're not going to get anywhere, especially in big organizations. You have to be political. Um, I think that CISOs, I've mentioned before, should be a bit technical with some hands-on experience. Um, I think uh, CISOs should be versatile and adaptable to all the changes. And, uh, I think that's it. I think that's plenty.
1: Yeah, yeah that's plenty. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you foresee any changes in the role of the CISO? Like, where is the CISO role is going? And let's say we, you know, if we look into the future, like ten years from now, in your opinion, what would you see more that we're not seeing today?
0: I think that the industry standard of CISOs as a service or virtual CISOs is going to. It's going to be a big part of the market, I don't I think a lot of companies would eventually fall into that. Uh, um, I, I don't know it's just kind of a kind of a feeling that I have. Um, you know, and uh, what else do I to see so. Um, maybe, uh, uh, maybe well you know budget it's uh, something that we can uh, discuss whether it's uh, you know we see the markets going uh, in a place. Towards the end of the year, again, I'm coming from the investment industry right now. We can definitely see what, uh, you know, to see what's going on at the end of the year. We see everything going down. Uh, but at the same time, I still talk to unicorns that are getting insane, insane investments. I'm talking about the billions of worth, and you're like, okay, so what's going on? You know, of course, it's not the same, and the IPOs are not as crazy as they were. Uh, but still, you know, so yeah, we can. I think we can argue about the budget a bit, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. and in terms of the industry as a whole, you know, you've spoken about, uh, um, you know, obviously, uh, threat intelligence and training and awareness. What do you think would, w- would we see in the, in the industry next, in your opinion?
0: So threat intelligence, which is very dark web and dark net, I can definitely say that uh, even CrowdStrike went into the threat intelligence uh, uh, agency role right now. They're actually doing on the social networking, uh, threat intelligence, which is very, very nice to see. You can see uh, your clients or your customers on Facebook, what they're saying about you stuff like that. That's very uh, That's very nice to see. I think that's going to become more and more popular. Um, a topic that I, uh, a few months ago, I spoke to some companies about, I I think that in a matter of three to five years, is going to be a very hot trend. That's the data retention. Um, you know, what do you do with your, your S3 buckets or your blazer and Amazon? Uh, what do you do with all the seven year financial data that you have? Where do you put it? I mean, it's sitting somewhere. Um, Uh, do you offline it? Do you put it online back? Do you scan it? Do you encrypt it? What do you do with it? You know, how do you protect it? Uh, so there's a lot of backup archiving companies that are actually slowly getting into it now. So uh, I'm I, I'm thinking it's going to be an integral part of the CISO's uh, position and and cybersecurity too. What do you do with your data? You know, with the old data. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, supply chain is going to keep going. Uh, you know, the way it is, it might uh, jump between platforms, but it's going to stay there. Ransomware is not stopping. And uh, AI is improving. And I think also that uh, offboarding is going to play a bigger role um, in companies. As more and more companies and organizations are gaining and obtaining more and more services, the digital footprint of every user and employee becomes bigger. So I think offboarding will also eventually play a bigger part than it is right now uh to make sure that you don't leave any remnants behind
1: yeah and you're saying that uh you know as related to the privacy regulations out there or just uh, as a general topic it's a general topic, general topic. Yeah. okay got it um any trends that you're identifying in terms of budget planning like changes between you know from 2020 to 2022 uh any specific Areas that you've that, that ge- scissors in general increased budget on.
0: Um, oh yeah, I, I, my budget
1: doubled and tripled since
0: 2018. Um, seriously, the pandemic also gave a huge kick to my budget, uh, in the traveling industry, which was just, it was just amazing to see it. You know, there was how the budget increased so, so quickly. Uh, but again, you know, we can debate whether it's going to keep going or not. Um, but definitely i can see even within my own company that uh um the end of the year is affecting you know a lot of companies choose to play safe and some other companies which are unicorns don't care and spend so much money on things that uh you know regular companies won't um so it was a huge increase but as for now you know you never know i again you never know companies are choosing to play safe, but again, you never know what's gonna happen. The beginning of next year, it might be a huge jump also. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Got it. Uh, Let's switch gears here. We're at the tail end of this uh, episode. We're almost out of time. I just wanted to Mm -hmm. ask you a couple of questions about uh, vendors. In in your opinion, what is it that vendors should not do when engaging with a potential customer? Vendors should not
0: automate uh, LinkedIn messages to you that's really annoying. Um, vendors, I don't mind actually vendors uh, sending me messages, but it's the way they do it. You know, um, I get dozens of messages with from vendors all the time. And um, I find it more appealing when they actually talk to someone from my company and then they get forwarded to me. That's something that's a bit more appealing to me than just people shooting emails or sending LinkedIn messages uh, trying to fish you and uh, to see if you're going to react or not. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say talk to someone that knows someone, and it's it's going to be more appealing than just uh, bombarding uh, messages and hoping to get something. Uh, as a salesperson, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what is it that you are looking for in a in a vendor then?
0: Uh, two things. Uh, availability, which is something I ask for my own people, I expect the vendor to be available to me whenever I need him. I've had it many times before; that the vendor was not available because it was just a reseller, and that's something that I'm not looking for. I want the vendor to be there for me um, as a customer. And uh, the second thing is, I, I I want the vendor to be professional about and to be able to support the products that they uh, you know they're offering. Um, again, many times I've had, uh, uh, a vendor stop supporting a specific product that I purchased for half a million dollars. And then I have to go and find someone else. So it's definitely availability and uh, professionalism or support.
1: Okay, great. Um, and just before, you know, our last question, uh, here, um, what did you have any other people or mentors that you look up to that you wanted to name drop here or anything in particular? Um.
0: Yeah, I've always been a mentor, I don't think I should name drop, but uh, I can definitely say that I had a couple which were completely different from each other, I had a head of production, which was, uh, you actually knew him, uh, which was the smartest person I've ever met in my life, he had the ability of sitting in a room completely quiet and, and ask all the correct questions, even if he was not uh, very fluent in this specific field. Uh, which was a good example. And on the other end of the stick, also a person that you know, by the way, was uh, the other character of the person that's, uh, you know, when he comes into the room, he's very loud and everybody knows he's there and he's shoving people politically and doing whatever he can in order to get the result that he wants. And uh, um, very political and a great, great delivery person. Like you could, could deliver anything um so those are the two ends of the of the stick or the ledger whatever you want to call it so those are my examples I, I learned a lot from both of them
1: okay yeah. I, I think i know mm-hmm. one of the persons that you're talking about um uh, you, you, sure. you
0: you know you know the both of them one of them you know better but yeah, you know yeah. Both <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> so how can the vendors and listeners uh, connect with you in a non-intrusive manner
0: i'm always available through email and linkedin Okay. Uh, if you're nice enough or you have a really nice speech, which sometimes happens, uh, somebody sent me the other day a video, like with a personal message, it was a pitch, but it was very nice, you mm-hmm. know, so uh, be innovative with, uh, with the messages and I might actually reply, but I actually reply to everyone, even if I'm not interested, I'm always replying to uh, to vendors, even even if I don't like them. It's that's like, so I think that's nice. Of... I'm not interested. Yeah, you know, but it takes time. Yeah
1: yeah but, that's yeah, what i'm yeah. saying that's nice of you yeah. i mean i don't have yeah. the time uh great so one final question before we wrap this up uh if money was never an issue what would you do with your life would you do anything different
0: oh yeah i'm an ex uh national champion when it comes to the shooting sports i would definitely take a year off and uh, go do that uh, sport shooting for a whole year traveling and then and going to competitions and matches uh, globally, um, that's that that's kind of my passion. But uh, the problem is, uh, first of all, it's very expensive, and uh, and second, it's not something you can uh, live from. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of a survival mode. It's it's people pay you to do what you do, but you're not. You know. But I would definitely take a break and do that if I had the money. That's something that uh, yeah, that's my passion.
1: Nice. Okay. Great. Thank you uh and thank you again Noam, for taking the time and you know jumping on the podcast i know it's uh, pretty late for you right now uh back in israel so uh thanks i enjoyed our talk uh, learned a lot and looking forward to seeing you again in the near future thanks thank you Ben. thank you